don't you get your Bibles and let's go to the Word of the Lord. I don't, I don't have a sermon. Uh, I don't even know if it would be characterized as a Bible study. Um, perhaps more just the thoughts of a, of a pastor's heart. But I'd like to take you to the book of Isaiah chapter 56. Isaiah chapter 56. I want to read a couple of verses in the 56th chapter and then we will move over to chapter 64. Isaiah chapter 56. And it reads like this, verse 4 said, For thus saith the Lord unto the eunuchs that keep my Sabbaths and choose the things that please me and take hold of my covenant. I like that. They choose the things that please God and they take hold of his covenant. Verse number 6 said, Also the sons of the stranger that joined themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord to be his servants. For everyone that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it and taketh hold of my covenant, even them will I bring to my holy mountain. God's going to allow them a relationship with him that they would not have otherwise. And he said, I'm going to make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon mine altar for mine house shall be called an house of prayer for all people. Isaiah chapter 56 and verse number 7. There is none that calleth upon thy name, that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. For thou hast hid thy face from us and hast consumed us because of our Iniquities That will suffice for a beginning tonight. I want to talk to you for just a few moments about taking hold. Everybody say that with me. Taking hold. Amen. You may be seated. I know there must be a better title than that, but it most adequately expresses my thoughts and feelings a few weeks ago, I was reading through the scripture and doing just a time of uh, meditating. And I, I read through these verses and every time I would read back through them, uh, two words would leap out and take hold of my mind and I couldn't get away from them. And so I just jotted it down and went on. But it, were, it was the two words, taking hold or take hold. Uh, there is something suggestive about that statement. Uh, 
more than just suggestive. There's something powerful about that uh, that makes me want to pay attention. Uh, it simply means to fasten on something or to put forth a strength toward, to, uh, to be courageous or to do something courageously. When you talk about taking hold, you are talking about seizing something, uh, grasping it and holding it fast. Uh, there is something resolute about it. There is something absolute about that effort. Uh, there is something tenacious that speaks to me out of Scripture when I read that they took hold. It means to get a grip on something and not allow it to slip away or to lose your grasp of it. It speaks of an obstinance, a, 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 a determination that nothing can shake you away from. And when I read that phrase, I realize that there's nothing casual about it. There's nothing accidental about it. There's nothing uh, by chance that has happened, but what is being done here is intentional. It is deliberate. It is intended. It is purposeful. And so when I began to think about it in those terms, my mind began to wander a little bit, and I, I had to ask myself, what is it in my life that I need to be intentional about? What is it in my spiritual life that I need to be deliberate over, that I need to be uh, intentional, not just hoping that it comes or, 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 or thinking that it's going to transpire, but there is something behind the desire. There is an effort. There's a hunger that drives me, that pushes me, that compels me. And so when I begin to think about what do I need to be intentional about, I, I have to go back through Scripture and look at m many different passages in which that statement is made that we are to take hold, we are to be deliberate, we are to be purposeful, we are to be intentional. We, we're not doing this just out of some casual uh, movement, but everything is designed and purposed to move us toward one goal. And that in Isaiah was God, to seize him, to lay hold of God, to lay hold of his covenant, his pact, his agreement with humanity. You go to the book of Proverbs and you hear the wise man telling us that we should lay hold of the path of life, that there is a way of life that we should pursue. There, there are principles of life that we should be intentional about wanting to incorporate into our lives. If we're going to live wisely and we're going to live victoriously, then there is a way of living that produces that. It doesn't come accidentally. You don't just stumble into it. You don't just wake up one morning and all of a sudden you're so you're, you're this spiritual giant or you, you don't wake up one morning and, 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 and be that 
that, that spiritual stalwart that you think of or you imagine in your mind. You reach that place because you pursue a certain life, a certain lifestyle, certain principles that govern everything you do. You, you do not allow uh, conventional wisdom to be what drives your decision or what is convenient or what is acceptable in the culture that we live in. One of the great problems with religion in America and the world right now is that it is being culturally driven and not word driven. The culture that we live in is in constant flux and change. And if you don't believe it, hang around a few years. There'll be a Democrat in the presidency and there'll be another Republican in the presidency and there'll be a independent. You just stay around long enough and there'll be changes that will occur in culture and society. But I don't get my direction from what's going on around me. There's got to be something much deeper, much more solid, much more structured that if I'm going to build my life around, it's got to be built around this because this is unchanging. This doesn't uh, alter itself with convenience. And so there's a path of life that I should pursue. And there is a way of living that should govern everything I do, my attitude, my spirit, the way I interact with people. The book of Proverbs is really about relationships to many, to, to some degree about how to have the right kind of relationship and who you ought to have relationships with and who you shouldn't have relationships with. There is a wise path and there is a foolish path. And there are instructions. Paul, our, our Proverbs goes on to say, there are things that should direct my steps. I don't have to get up in the morning and ask myself, is this okay to do today? I've got instructions that are directing me. And I am following those instructions. And you know it always works best when you do follow instructions. It's a whole lot less hectic. Amen. I know some of you don't, you, you, you don't think in those terms, but a lot of people when they open that package, the last thing they look at are that, is that little white booklet that comes with it. Oh, I know how to do this. And though you start putting it all together and next thing you know you've got a handful of parts left over some of them are very important parts then you go oh oh whoa whoa i forgot something go back get that piece of paper oh you got to do this first you know there's always a reason for first things first things said everything else that you're going to do it gives it a platform in which it will function at its optimum level. Now, you can ignore them. You can think it's not necessary or that's too archaic or old-fashioned, but the fact is there are first things. There are first principles that if you try to sidestep those or circumvent them, it doesn't matter what else you try along the way. It is never going to fit together like it was designed to fit together. So when you read in scripture that we should do this first, it's wise that you do that first. Amen. First, do that in the beginning. And then watch how all of the other things begin to flow together and mesh 
as they're supposed to, but you ignore those first things and look at the chaos that will ensue. Paul or or Isaiah, I should say, talked about uh, pursuing and laying hold of the strength of God. If there's anything you and I need in the hour in which we live is strength that comes from above. He talks about laying hold, Paul does, of eternal life. If you're going to pursue anything, pursue that which will not end when this world burns with a fervent heat. Lay up your treasure where moth and rust cannot corrupt it. He talks about laying hold of hope, not letting go, not letting it slip from your grasp. And when I read of that, it speaks to me of committing to something of selling myself out to something, certain principles that govern your life. I think I may have shared this with you, but years ago I heard Jack Hiles, who was pastor of a large church in Chicago, Illinois. He was talking about when he first started preaching and uh, just a young person didn't know uh, Sikkim from come here, really, he said, and And he he didn't even know how to preach. He didn't know how to pastor. And he was leading this small congregation. But he had a place out in the country in East Texas, outside of Marshall, Texas. He would go out. There was a stump out in the woods. And he would go out there and pray all night long, asking God to give him wisdom and direction. And one night he went out there and he sat down on that stump and he said, God, I'm not smart enough to know how to pastor. I'm not smart enough to know how to preach. I'm not smart enough to know how to choose my friends. I'm not smart. And he went down this whole list of things that he needed help for. And that night, God gave him five things to live by, five principles that he was going to structure his life around. They were all based around Scripture. And and so he went on his way. He, He moved out of Marshall, went to Dallas, and eventually to Chicago, at one time, pastored the largest church in the world. And uh, it, it was amazing what, what, uh, what they accomplished there in Chicago, reaching out all over that city in so many ways. But in his denomination that he was associated with, there came a point where the left was pulling so hard trying to move it off of its scriptural centering and the fundamentals that had driven that organization. And it was a great war going on at one of their religious conventions. And it came to a showdown, basically. And it was going to be the dividing of the house. And on that particular day, there came a moment of decision that he had to decide, am I going to go with this liberal mindset that is embracing our organization or am I going to stand on what I started with? And so he got up and he walked out. When he walked out, he walked out on a host of friends or men that had called themselves friends. He walked out on a whole line of preaching engagements that he had uh, in, on the books that he had been invited to. He walked out 
on serving on these prestigious boards and being an influential voice in that organization. And somebody stopped him and said, how could you do that? How could you have the strength to stand up against such powerful forces in that moment and not cave in to them and not give in and say, well, you know, that's just the way things are. We've got to adjust to the times and move forward. He said, it's very simple. And he named a number of years ago when he sat on that stump out in East Texas. He said, God gave me a principle that night to live by. And from that night till now, I have been living by that. And he said, this is what I learned. You can make decisions in your life that make decisions for you. You don't have to wait until the crisis to figure out, am I going to do this or am I not going to do this? Am I going to act that way or am I going to say that? Am I going that direction? There's something already established back there in the past, something that you determined that you laid hold of and it still has a hold of you. And that is what drives your present decision. That's what drives your present living. It's not what's going on in your life or in culture right now, but something further back than that. You know what? Every one of us need a stump like that to go to and get some things settled in our heart because I'm telling you, church, we are in a time of shaking in this world and everything that can be shaken will be shaken and the only thing that's going to stand is the man or the woman that somewhere in their past they laid hold of something and they still have a hold of it right now and it is that which will drive their life and their decisions. Amen. Laying hold of principles that do not change and selling out to them. Man, the pressures of life are around us all. The pressures to give in and to back up and not be so straight and not preach so diligent and not, not be so adamant about you must be born again. Not be so adamant about you got to be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of, not be so hard on, 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 on telling people that you should live a holy life. That's impossible to do in our culture. No, it's not. Not when you've laid hold of the right thing. It's not impossible. Because laying hold of the right thing can bring you into the right place. Amen. I'm going to show you that in a moment. But when we lay hold of something, it cries of making a strong effort that nothing can dissuade. If you want it, you have to take hold of it. If you desire it, you've got to be deliberate about it. Matthew said it like this, the kingdom of God suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. One translation said the kingdom has been forcefully advancing and men seize it as a precious prize, as a share in the heavenly kingdom. That is what we're reaching for tonight. Amen. That's what we are hungry for, the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God suffereth violence. You're going to have to take it. 
You're going to have to be hungry enough to go after it. You, you know, one of the problems with the, 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 the church in this hour is a spirit of Laodicea. And I was discussing this the other day with someone. And, and I know all of us for years, we've always heard that Laodicea meant uh, self-rule, that, 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 that there would be an hour when they would rebel against the, the leadership of the church or the leadership of the ministry. But you know what I've come to believe Laodicea is? Laodicea is the spirit that said, I am my own God. I am my own leader. I am my own boss. And nobody tells me what to do. It's not just rebellion against spiritual leadership. It is rebellion against the hand of God saying, no, I'm going to call my own shots. And that's the spirit in which we live right now. And somewhere, somebody in a culture like that has got to be anchored enough in something that cannot fade that they can, they, they can, they can stem some of the tide that is moving in that direction. Amen. I want to lay hold. I, there's something in me. I, I'm tired of casual church. I'm tired of just, you know, if it hits, it goes. If it does, it's good. If we have great churches, but you know what? Next week's coming. Next Sunday's coming. And we miss the opportunity of the present moment. Who knows when we're going to be here Sunday or not? There's a lot of people putting off to tomorrow what God's really been wanting to do right now. If only somebody would lay hold of it and say, you know what? I need it now. I've got to have it tonight. I, I wonder what would have happened if, if that woman that had that issue of blood that had been battling all these years, if, if she had come up against that crowd and thought, well, you know, this isn't a good time to be doing this. This doesn't look like a good time for me to interrupt him. He looks like he's going somewhere. You know, well, I don't feel like it today. You know, it's Wednesday night. It's Sunday. I'm tired. <clears throat> what would have happened if that sweet woman had decided to let those things determine what she did? We would have never read about what happened because there never would have been anything that would have happened. It kept, there was something that kept her there. There was something that was so deep, a hunger and a need that was so pressing that she would not take no for an answer. And so she presses her way through. I, I've heard all kind of imagery of how that must have happened. I don't know what she did to get there. I just know she had to get through some stuff to get to him, but she didn't stop until she did get to him. I wonder what would happen if more often than not we had that kind of desire and that kind of hunger in our heart that we are not satisfied with just mediocrity. We're not satisfied with just holding our own. We're not satisfied with just warming a pew, but I need something more. I need something now. I need something tonight. I want to see a miracle in my family. I want to see a miracle on my job. And we lay hold. Amen. Proverbs chapter 30. I want you to go there with me. I was drawn to this passage of scripture. It's always 
been one of those passages that has, that has intrigued me. The wise man spoke about four things that are small upon the earth, but he said they are exceedingly wise. And I don't have time to go into all of them, but he, talked, he named the ant and then the coney and then the locust and then the spider. And it is said of the spider that the spider taketh hold with its hands and is in king's palaces. It's in king's palaces. That thought captured my mind. Here's a little creature that could easily be snuffed out with a little bit of nothing. I mean, it doesn't take much to do away with a spider. And yet that insignificant creature that small diminutive creature finds itself in the king's palace. In royalty, it finds its way into the highest place against all odds. I mean, do you, do you realize, and I, I, I'm sure you do, but my, my small mind got to working today when I began to reconsider what all that spider had to get through and get over and get past and get beyond and deal with just to get to the king's palace. There's walls around the palace. There's gates that bar the doors. There's, there, there are, there are, there, there are servants that are sweeping and cleaning, uh, trying to knock down any cobwebs and do away with everything that that spider represents. And yet in spite of all of those hindrances, in spite of all of that opposition, it finds itself in the king's palace. Where could desire take us? Where could that kind of hunger take us spiritually? To where it doesn't matter what's against us. It doesn't matter what's before us. It doesn't matter what we've got to deal with. It doesn't matter what we've got to overcome. It doesn't matter what we have to to work around. It doesn't matter what we have to confront. We are relentless. We will not back down. If we get stopped at this door, we're just going to go around to the other door. If we get stopped at this point, we're going to find another point. Here is what I love about a spider. A spider is not waiting for a platform on which to perform. All it's waiting for is a place to start. And if you can give it a place to start, it may be in the shadows. It may be in the dark corners of the palace. But somewhere along the line, it's going to get where the king is. That's the kind of hunger. That's the kind of desire I, I, I would love for Greater Life Church to capture. Because that's where revival is. That no matter what you face, no matter what you have to deal with, it doesn't get you down. Doesn't, you, don't, you forget about size. You forget about all the odds that are against you. You forget about the hindrances. You forget about all of the things that are trying to discourage you. You just keep right on going. You keep plugging right along. You know, it was by perseverance that the old turtle reached the ark 
and I, that's how we're going to get there as well. You, you got to stay with it. There's, there's nothing quick and fast about any of this. People come and they see what you've done in your life. They think, oh man, I, I want to be there. Well, I tell you what, come back with me about 30 years and let's start there and you can get where I am right now. But nothing comes easy in life, nothing worthwhile. And there were a multitude of things that could tell us about this, this spider's wisdom. Wisdom is not measured by physical magnitude. And it tells me that small changes can result in great dividends daily, consistently. What I learned from the spider is that my littleness doesn't have to limit my reach. I may not get there tonight, but I'm still reaching for it tonight. You see, sometimes if we don't get it in one spell swoop, if we don't get it in one service, we're right back in the same old rut we were in. But if some kind of spirit could baptize us, the spirit of, of, of hunger and desires could so saturate us that it doesn't matter where we have to start, we know where we're headed. I'm headed to the king's palace. I'm not going to be satisfied anywhere else. I don't want to be anywhere else. I just want to be in the presence of the king. I wonder what kind, <laughs> I wonder what kind of revival would break out around Greater Life Church if that kind of hunger would just take hold of us. That, that it doesn't matter how small it may be, we're going to start and we're going to build moment by moment, day by day, service by service. That spider was daring to reach for something that was beyond its grasp and completely out of its wheelhouse. Spiders don't belong in king's palaces, but they find themselves there because they keep on going. Amen. I wonder what would happen if we would just keep on going. Amen. I wonder what kind of breakthrough is going to come just because we've kept on going. I can tell you what kind. Some of what we've already experienced, but that's not even the beginning of what God has prepared for Greater Life Church. You don't think that God would waste all of those tears that we shed back there? You don't think that God would allow us or, or, or see us go through all of the mess that we had to go through back there and not have something better for us in the future? I can't imagine a God that would be so sick in his mind that he would make me go through that but not plan for me in the future my God has plans for my future my God has plans for your future and whatever I went through back then was in preparation for where I'm going and if I keep going in the right direction I'm going to wind up in the place that I desire amen they were daring bold courageous if you want it You've got to take hold of it. There was a habit. Everybody say a habit. A habit. A consistent habit of diligence and determination. The power of the spider lies in its consistent activity. Oh, my consistency. 
what a jewel there thou art. Just showing up. You know, sometimes you win the victory by just showing up. Amen. Come on, give me a nod tonight, even if it's a Baptist nod. Amen. Sometimes you win just by showing up. You don't have to be shouting off the rooftop. Just come on back. Just take a stand and keep standing. There's nothing glamorous about standing. And there's certainly nothing glamorous about withstanding. But if you will stand and withstand, God will do great things. What I like about the spider was their decision process. Evidently, that spider knew where he wanted to go. He wanted to go to the king's palace. Amen. I I want that kind of decidedness. I want that kind of decisiveness. I I want my actions to, to be driven by decisions that will put me in the right place. My decisions are pointing me in a direction And I get to choose which direction that is. But what I choose to do is going to point me toward a way of life. Amen. Where do you want to be? Where do you want to go? What do you want to see? What do you want God to do in your family or in your home? You're going to have to be decisive about it. There's going to have to be some tenacity and perseverance and determination and diligence and industriousness and persistence. Throw something in its path and it finds it. Anybody ever, ever ran into a spider web and, and, and tear part of it down and come back a little while later? Boom. It's right back. Tear it down. Tear part of it down. Come back a little bit later. Boom. It's right back. What would happen? <laughs> you know, that's one thing the devil can't handle. He can't handle somebody that gets back up. He has no remedy or answer for the man or woman that will not stay down. They just keep coming back. A blow comes against you or your family that should have taken you out. You you tumble around for a little while, then you get your bear and get back on your feet and you're right back there. You got your hands lifted back up and the devil looked back and said, I thought I took him out. You can take him out all you want to. You're not going to keep him out because he knows where he's going. He's going to the king's palace. Throw something in his path and it's going to find another way. Tear it down and it will rebuild. They will climb a mountain of difficulties to finish their task. Amen. Amen. They're patient. Amen. Oh, God. They're patient. Look at your neighbor. Look at your husband or wife and say, patient. They're patient. Rome wasn't built in a day. You need to learn how to be satisfied with small victories. Even God celebrated every day of creation, even though it was imperfect in his work. Every day at at the end of the day, whatever he had done, he said, this is good. You need to learn how to celebrate little things rather than waiting for the sixth day when everything's done. Yeah, some of you are waiting on a sixth day to come, and it's not going to come the way you think it's going to come. 
because you're not learning how to celebrate the first day or the second step or the third step. Hey, I won a small victory today. I, I, I kept my cool today. I didn't, I, I, didn't, I didn't unravel on the freeway today. I didn't lose my mind when this problem came on me. I, I actually quoted scripture. I actually praised the Lord. Man, you need to learn how to celebrate. That spider teaches me that there's a patience that has to be involved in my work if I'm going to get where I need to go and if I'll stay with it. Amen. Oh, yes. Progress for the spider is always onward, never backing up. Amen. And what I love most about the spider, and I'm going to close. You probably wish I would, but I'm going to go ahead and close. You know what I like about the spider is that it does its best every time. You ever seen a spider web, how symmetrically perfect it is? Tear it down and guess what? It doesn't come back with this patchwork hodgepodge. Well, this ought to do. You know, I've been through a lot. It's just as symmetrically perfect as it was the first time. My goodness, what would happen if that became the framework in which we lived and operated that we're going to do our very best every day and if it gets torn down to the ground tomorrow morning, I'm going to get up and start all over again doing the best I can. Amen. Amen. Come on, stand with me. They do their best with what they have and it's not much, just a little thread. But it's amazing what, what it can accomplish. They do the least thing to the best of their ability. No matter how it is opposed, it just keeps reaching, keeps reaching, keeps working, keeps moving. I go back to the scripture text that I started with. They took hold. It was a determination. This is mine. I'm not going back from. This is what I've got to have. This is what I'm believing God for. And I'm not going to open my hands to let it go. I have a hold of it. And I will not stop. Amen. Doing everything you can to hold on to what's valuable. Amen. Praise God. Take hold, taking hold, grabbing, just get a grip on it. Praise God. What a difference it could make. Isaiah 56 talks about people that don't even deserve to be blessed. God blesses them because they took hold of him. They took hold of his covenant. It's amazing what God will do for people that just hunger after Him. Amen. It's amazing what God will do for people that have a thirst for righteousness. He that hungers and thirsts after righteousness shall be filled. Blessed are the peacemaker, for they shall see God. 
take hold. Amen. Take hold. God, let that spirit capture the heart of this church. Let it capture the heart of this people. Something, a desire, an inner hunger. Something so strong, so powerful that nothing can dissuade us. Nothing can deter us. Nothing can turn us from that one thing. That one thing will we seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever, God. Whatever that one thing is, that first thing, that we would get it so deeply into our grasp that nothing could rattle us, nothing could shake it loose from us. Principles, Lord, that we live by, that circumstances cannot shake and culture cannot talk us out of. Principles that govern the way we live and act and talk and move and have our being. Principles that will lead us to the path of life. Oh God, that's what we desire tonight. Amen. Stir that hunger in us. Oh God, stir that hunger in us. Lord, stir that hunger in us. Let us not be as Laodicea that was rich and increased with goods and had need of nothing. I need you tonight, God. I need you. I need your blessings. I need your favor. I'm asking, Lord, for greater life, church, a greater vision, a greater hunger, a greater burden, a dissatisfaction with mediocrity. Lord, a dissatisfaction with just going through the ritual, going through the routine. Lord, I want the power of the Holy Ghost operating in my life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Would you lift your voice to him right now and just give him a little praise? Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, I love you tonight. I thank you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. I glorify your name tonight, oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah.